through the wilderness for those 40 years. And then into the promised land after that. And it had been still a tent, a tabernacle. And God had put it, uh, well, David had a desire to build a house for God, a permanent dwelling place, a temple, a structure where God would say, this is my house. And people could come uh, to meet uh, in his presence there. But God didn't allow David to build that. He said, David, though you're a man after my own heart, you've been a man of war. And, and I've used you in that fashion, but there's been a lot of blood on your hands. And I'm not going to use you to build my house. I'm going to use your son. So David said, well, if I can't build it, I'm going to prepare for it. And I'm going to take up offerings for it. And I'm going to get things ready. And he's talking to a king up to the north and says, would you send me down uh, cedar trees and, and send me down workers and this and that and get things ready. And so when Solomon came on the scene, his very first thing, really the big thing there was to build a temple for God. And so he's built that. And now he's, he's concluded it and he's dedicating it to the Lord. And the people are there and, and Solomon making a public prayer here is praying, praying to the Lord, asking him to bless it, to use it, to fill it and let it be a place that God calls his, the house there, God's temple in Jerusalem. And uh, God is, uh, he's, he's asking Solomon here asking God to respond to his people. And notice here in the scripture, right where Brother Williams left off in, in verse 21, this is chapter 6, verse 21. Notice the next verse. It says, if a man sin. That's verse 22. You'll notice here as the chapter finishes out that Solomon is praying in such a way and then he says, if, then. If, then. And really, if my message had a title today, it would be if, dot, 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 then, dot, dot, dot. Because you notice he prays that way, and then God responds to him that way. I want you to see this here. Look at verse 22 again. It says, if a man sin, look at verse 23, then hear thou from heaven, right? Verse 24, let me read the whole thing. And if thy people Israel be put to the worse before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shalt return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house. Verse 25. Then hear thou from heaven, the heavens, and forgive the sin of thy people, Israel, and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. And uh, verse 26. He doesn't say if till about halfway through the verse, but he says here, yet if they pray toward this place. And confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them. Verse 27. Then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel. When thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon the land which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance. Again, verse 28. If. Verse 28 has two ifs in it. He says, if, halfway through, he says, if, again, verse 29, then, verse 30, then, skip down to verse 32, look at the end of the verse here. It says, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, and he, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for. 
Verse 34, if thy people. Verse 35, then hear thou from the heavens. Right? Verse 36, if they sin against thee. I want you to focus here on verse 36. It's an interesting verse. This is right here, the Romans 3.23 of the Old Testament. That's what this is. Notice what he says. If If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not. Catch that? What's Romans 3.23 say? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not just a New Testament thing. That's a whole Bible thing. The purpose of the Old Testament law, the purpose of the Ten Commandments, was to show man that we're sinners. We, We are not perfect. We can't line up with God's law perfectly. It wasn't, the Ten Commandments was not a a list to check down and say, well, I've done that right, and I've done that right, and I've done that right, and I've done that right. No, it was, in fact, for us to see as the Bible, and James calls the Bible a, a mirror, the Word of God a mirror, for us to look into the mirror and see where our imperfections are, to see where we don't line up, because I need a Savior. And the only reason that I know that I need a Savior is, first of all, because I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. and I was lost at one time. I, know, I knew that I was lost and my sin deserves a consequence, a payment. And I needed a Savior, Jesus Christ. And so here, this scripture here in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse number 36 here is the Old Testament Romans 3.23. Let me continue to read it. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captives into the land far off or near, yet if they bethink themselves in the land, whither they are carried captive. That word bethink there, that English word bethink, it's an older word, but it comes from two Hebrew words. And the, one of them is talking about your heart. Okay, So the two Hebrew words that's translated as one English word, bethink. The first one talks, is, is speaking of the heart, the will, the emotions, the feelings. And he says, and then the second one is meaning turn away from. So if you read it in context, it, yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive. In other words, if their heart doesn't go after the land that they're in. If, they're, if, instead, if, they go, if they're taken captive to this land, that they wouldn't, their heart wouldn't be carried away with those people and their ways and their sin and their religions. But you would turn your heart away from that, saying no to the world. Okay, He says, if you'd say no to the world that you're carried into, I'll pick up in the halfway through, and turn... And pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly. Verse 38, if they return. Verse 39, then hear thou. Okay, He continues this, if and then, all the way through. In chapter 6 here, the last few verses, he finishes his prayer. He concludes this dedication of the temple and asking God to respond to his people. Aren't you glad... That you can go to God when you have a need, when you have a problem, when you have trouble. When you have been in sin, you can go to God and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. And He doesn't just 
poof, you're done. Right? Because a holy God can't, can't look on sin and He could just wipe us right out. But He doesn't. He says, I love you. And I want you to come back to me. I want you to come. So if you take that first step, I'm going to forgive you. He says that over and over and over in the Word of God. And uh, praise the Lord here. Solomon is asking for God to do that. And then God responds. Notice chapter 7. Oh, I love this. God shows up right here at the beginning of chapter 7. Let's look at this. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. See that? The presence of God showed up. God came down, Solomon's praying, he says, God, I've built a house for you, and uh, I've gotten all this ready, and I'm asking you to use it for your people. Because we sinners, men, sinners, we need, we need a place we can come to and say, God, I'm sinful, and I, I, Lord, I need your forgiveness. And he says, Lord, I'm asking you, if they do that, would you respond? Hear their prayer and forgive them and heal their land. And uh, God shows up in chapter 7, these first few verses here. Notice the fire comes down from heaven and it consumes the offering there. Well, well preacher, what's the, why, why they got all these burnt offerings? Because it was a picture. It was a picture. Okay, Soon Jesus Christ would come. He hadn't come at this point yet. In, in, the, in the history of the Bible here, the timeline of the Bible, he hadn't come yet. And he would soon come. And those Old Testament sacrifices were, were a picture of what Jesus would do on the cross. Where his, his blood would be shed and atone for the sins of the people. In Old Testament, they had to use animals as that picture of what was to come. Praise God, we don't have to do that anymore. Praise the Lord, we're not in Old Testament law anymore. We're not Jewish law anymore because Jesus Christ, our Messiah, came and did it once and for all. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I can worship Him because He died for me and then He rose again. And I serve a living, risen Savior. And I don't have to do these Old Testament sacrifices. Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. There was a time and there was a place for it, but no more. No more. I love how God showed up here. That fire came down and consumed that, that burnt offering. And, uh, and, and it, did you catch there? The glory of the Lord filled the house so the priest couldn't even go in. Isn't that cool? They saw and they felt the presence of God. It's real. It's not a joke. It's not fake. It's not a storybook. They, the Bible says he filled the house. What, what does that mean? That Shekinah glory of God. That mankind really doesn't know about. That, that radiates and permeates things. That, that pillar, that cloud that came down and it just filled that whole house. And it literally put, the priest could not get into the house because of the presence of God there at that point. Praise the Lord. God shows up. If you cannot see and feel the presence of God in this place and in your life, then you need to get back to chapter 6 and do some praying like Solomon did. Amen? Say, God, I need you. Lord, I'm a sinner. 
And I'm asking you, as when I come to you, would you hear me? And would you hear my cry and my plea? Lord, I, wa- I need you. You need to get back to 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and do some praying like Solomon did. My God is real. He's real in my soul. Amen? I love that song. My God is real. He's real in my soul. My God is real. For he hath washed and made me whole. His love for me is like pure gold. My God is real, for I can feel Him in my soul. I'm going to tell you what. God has been working in this place, and the presence of the Lord has been here. Man, I'm seeing people getting saved, seeing people getting baptized and, and, and following the obedience of Christ, people getting right with God. Man, I think about Brother Shank recently. Brother Shank says, I got, I got something going on and I need some prayer. And he says, preacher, w- w- could we meet together? Some men of God meet together and just pray over this thing. And we prayed over it and bless God, God showed up. I'm telling you what, we were in that room and I felt the presence of God in that room. I'm telling you, it was real. And God showed up and you know what? A week later he found out that tumor didn't need operated on after all because God took care of it. He just, he just shut it right down. Praise God. Hallelujah, because my God is real. He did the same thing for Brother Dan Bunker here recently too. Amen, it's benign, amen, praise God. Hallelujah. Man, God is real. We would just believe that. We would just know to see it and look. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's one or two things. You either need to get saved or you need to start praying like 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And say, God, I need you. Because Lord, you're not real to me because I'm not real with you. That's really where it is. Lord, you're not real to me because I'm not real with you. And I haven't done what I need to do to be real with you, to be right with you. I love this, this part of Scripture as, a, as he's going back if and then and Solomon's praying for that. And then God responds to him. I want you to see here, Solomon here, he finishes a, a sacrifice. It's amazing here in verse 5 of chapter 7. Well, verse 4, he says, Then the king... And all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King, King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen. That's a lot of animals. You think he was saying, Lord, I, I, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm, I'm being real about this thing. I'm going to give you, you're worthy of so much more, but I'm going to give you 20 and 2,000 oxen. That's a lot. He was, he was getting real with God. It was one of those ideas where I'm not just praying about something. I'm going to fast and pray because I'm getting serious with God. Amen? And he goes on and he, and he, uh, he finishes that prayer, the, the, the sacrifice there, and then God answers him. Look at verse 12. And the Lord, this is Second this is Chronicles seven twelve. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Then God answers him with the ifs and thens. I love it. Just like Solomon prayed, if and then, God answers him in that way. Look at verse 13. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... Will I hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's a very familiar verse to most of us. But it's real. You notice, notice here, he's not calling on the heathen of the land. He's not saying to all those people that are unsaved in America today. He's calling on church folk. He's calling on people, believers this morning. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, you call yourself Christian because you're saved by the blood of the Lamb. He says, if we would get on our faces and seek God and humble ourselves, then he would heal our land. I wonder what would happen if good, I'm talking about good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches with Bible-believing, Bible-preaching Christians in them would get real and have revival before God, what God would do in this country. Because that's what he's calling on right here. He's calling on us. He's not calling on those people down here that are they're doing all kinds of wickedness and stuff we can't even think of and imagine. He's not talking about all them. He's talking about us. If my people, if my people. There was a time where most of the country was considered my people meaning Christians and all that. That's not necessarily the case anymore. We have a great mission field all around us. I wonder what would happen if Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church, God saying my people in this local church would get real with me. What we could do in this area. What we could do come the end of October around the world. Because my people are getting real with me. Amen? What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about getting stirred up for God because it's not, let me go to work and punch a clock and nine to five and that's my life. No, my life is serving the King of Kings. He died for me and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him who died for them. Praise the Lord. Yes, that's truth. That's the Word of God right there. We know these things. We need to get stirred up. Say, Lord, help us today. Look, God answers again. He continues, and uh, He says, verse 17, And as for thee, so He's talking about the people in verse 13 and 14, 15 and 16. Then He talks to Solomon by Himself. This is individual. He says, Solomon, if you get right, if you get stirred up. Verse 17, And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments. You know what he's saying? God said directly to Solomon. He says, let's, let's stop talking about everybody else. Let's talk about you. He said, if you'll be obedient to what I've told you to do, verse 18, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom. And according as I have com- covenanted with David thy father, saying, Thou shalt not, there shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my covenants, my commandments, excuse me, which I have set before you and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up. It's as simple. God said, if you want to, if you want to have my blessing and you want to finish out your days and your, your, your lineage will never fail uh, from, a, from having a man on the throne, he says, you just follow me and do, it, do what I've told you to do. Obey my voice. He says, but if you want to go your own route, that's your decision, but you won't have my blessing. You won't have my blessing. That's what he's saying here. Folks, the, the message this morning is very, very simple. 
It's, it's, it's really a reminder of what we need to do. Most of you know it already. And if you don't, here it is. Here's the whole point of the whole message. It's your move. The ball is in your court. It's up to you. God said, if you want to be saved, I've done everything that there needs to be done. And all you got to do is come to me. It's your move. That's what he's saying. He says, if you want to get right, if you want to stop living a fake facade of a Christianity, if you want to stop living like, you know, well, I'm saved, but you know... Everything else, let me just go to work Monday morning. Man, life is miserable. If you want to quit living like, like the rest of the world and quit this facade of, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I went to church Sunday morning. And you want to get real with God. He says, you need to come to me. It's your move. It's up to you. If you want a relationship with God that you've never seen before and you've never experienced before and you don't and and you hear about things like like preachers of the past and people of the past that had such great power with God because of their of their relationship with him if you want that you can have it. You can have it if you want it. God says, "Come home. Do what I've told you to do and come on home." The ball is in your court. It's up to you. It's your move. Would you go with me to Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10, please. Christians and Bible students, you know probably where I'm headed. A very familiar passage here. But I want you to see in the context here what God's saying. Romans chapter 10. If you want, then you can. God says if and then. It's your move. If you want to be saved, if you want to be a child of God, if you want to get real with God, you can. Look here in verse uh, chapter 10, Romans 10, look at verse 8. But what saith it? This is Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. You see that? He said, it, the word is right there. You... You have what you need. It's already in your mouth. You just need to speak it. You just need to say it. it you have everything you need. Let me, let me read it again. Verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Notice in verse 9, there's an if. That if. See that? That if. I believe there, there, we could, there, there's a then. We've been talking about if and then. There's a then implied in that verse. Look here. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, verse 9, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. You could imply, the then is implied right there. Then thou shalt be saved. God says, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to save you. And if you want to get saved, you can get saved. You just need to come, believe, and ask. That's what you need to do. You need to believe in your heart. 
that God's did what he said he did, that he's alive today on the right hand of the Father and he's coming again soon. And you say, say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner on my way to hell because that's what the Bible teaches. And I want to change my course. Lord, I want to turn to you. Not my sin, not my way, because my way is going to hell. Lord, I need you. And I need you to save me. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to save me. That's what the Bible teaches. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. Look at the scripture keeps going there. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. See that? Praise God. We don't have to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Why why are we cowering to the world, folks? You're, You're one of those Jesus people? Yes, praise the Lord. He's my king. He saved me. And I don't care what you have to say because I'm not going to hell. I'm on the winning side. Woo! When he comes, I'm going with him. I won't be left here. Praise the Lord, left here to the Antichrist and all that nonsense and that delusion. Second Thessalonians talks about that he's going to put on the world. I'm not going to be a part of that nonsense, man. I'm going in the rapture. Woo! Bless God, the Bible teaches he comes before all that junk. Amen. That's still Bible too. Don't you listen to what you read on the internet. Praise God. Get in the Bible. Amen. Pre-tribulation rapture. Hallelujah. Amen. That was a lot right there. Okay, let's get back on it. Okay. Amen. Right? Verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. See that? God said, quit with your racial stuff. Quit with the racial. It doesn't matter what you are and where you came from and what color you are. Let's put all that stuff aside. This world in the, in, the, in the spirit of not being racial is very racial. How many times in a week I hear that just because of the color of my skin that I'm some awful person? No, my God says it doesn't matter if I'm a Jew or a Greek or what I am. Look what he says. There is no difference, verse 12, between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord all, uh, over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Because I trusted Christ as my Savior, I got saved. It didn't matter who I was and, 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 and what, what my parents were and where we came from. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey man, if you want to get saved, you can get saved today. Today is a day of salvation, God says. Now here it is. If you want to be forgiven... Because we know our sinful ways. Yeah. Yeah. How much does the devil like to beat you up because of stuff you've done in your past? I'm telling you what, your preacher included. Because we're sinners. If you want to have forgiveness, you can have forgiveness. God says, if. Notice with me. Go to 1 John. 1 John. Okay. Just flip to the right, and once you hit Hebrews, keep on going a couple. It'll be all right. First John. If you hit Revelation, you've got to back it up. First John, chapter 1. This is a letter that the Apostle John is writing to believers here. Notice what he says. First John, chapter 1. Notice verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, look at this, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We know we're sinners. 
So if we're sinful, we need forgiveness. Okay? And if you want forgiveness, you can have it. Look what he tells you. There's an if then. There's an if there. See it? If we confess our sins, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord for that. You have a past that haunts you. Many of you do. Because you know the decisions and the life that you've lived. Can I tell you what? There's been a lot more people before you that have had that same, same thing. Some of us on the platform, some of us here in the, in the pews, some of us all here, we're, we're all the same. We're sinners. And we've got a, a past that can haunt us. And the devil comes and reminds us about it often. But the, my Bible says you claim the blood of Jesus Christ that it has washed away your sin and you have been forgiven. And you call on Jesus Christ to forgive you. And the Bible says He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what it is. If you want forgiveness, come get forgiven. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I don't care if we're talking to somebody who just got saved yesterday or if you're talking to, to, I just celebrated a spiritual birthday, been saved, uh, how many years now? 33 years been saved. It doesn't matter how old you are spiritually, it matters that you're a sinner and you still need forgiveness. I needed forgiveness this week, so I came to my Savior. I needed forgiveness this morning. So I came to my Savior. And I confessed that sin. You want to see somebody confessing sin, go to Psalm chapter 51. That was not part of my message today, but you want to read that? David. David had sinned with Bathsheba, and he's starting to get right, and he's realizing the effect that that's going to have on the nation and his family, not just his own flesh. And he is begging God for forgiveness. You want to see a man that's pouring his heart out to God, you go to Psalm 51. I've read through that before, just saying, Lord, help me to have this spirit when, I, when I'm wanting to get right with you. And look at how he did it. And look, He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know what sin does? It sucks the joy right out of you. Sucks the joy right out of you. Because you're dirty and you're filthy and you're unclean before God. And you come to him, and I'm telling you what, you come back to God and you just feel, you feel filthy. Say, Lord, I need to get clean. You look at David in Psalm 51. He says, Lord, cleanse me. Clean me. Make me fresh again. Give me that joy back. The joy of the Lord that I ought to have. Lord, I've messed up, but I need your forgiveness. How about it this morning, Christian? If you want to get forgiven, if you want to be forgiven, you can be. If you want to get rid of sin and be clean, you can. Brother Williams in his class today, I'm loving this first steps class of being a part of it. I love it. Man, just, a, the, the, just learning some, some great Bible doctrines and then how that applies here at Shenandoah and all that. How we do things here at Shenandoah. I love it. And we were in Sunday school today and uh, you say, wow, the pastor has to go through first steps. Yes, because I'm brand new around here and I'm loving it. It's awesome. And we was, he was reading that, that verse out of Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Man, come on, you want to get clean, you want to get rid of sin? God told us to do some things. 
You got some pipes in your house that got some nasty mucky water in them. After they do the hydrants and all that and they're working on pipes, they got muddy water in those pipes. How do they get them cleaned up? They hook it to a clean source and flush it out. You know what we need to do, Christians? We need to get hooked up to a clean source right here. You got a bunch of junk in your life from the decisions you've, you've chosen, what you've put in front of those eye gates and what you put in front of them, the ear gates and what you've been watching, what you've been part of, and you're feeling filthy, get to a clean source and, and get cleaned up. Flush it out. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Amen? That's Bible. That's Bible. You want to be a better husband? Then do it God's way. Ephesians chapter 5. You've got to be sacrificing for your wife. That's what God said. You want to be a better wife? Then do it God's way. Ephesians chapter 5 teaches us some things. You want to be a better father, a better mother? Then do it God's way and quit provoking your children to wrath. Start teaching them in love. It's both the, it's both the nurture and the admonition. Where we've got to love them and teach them. And we've got to discipline with that admonition. It goes hand in hand. If you, want to do, if you want to, then you can. God says, I've given you what you need. If you want to be consistent to God, then do it His way. I wonder how many of us are going to be in church tonight. Amen? We're, we're, we're accustomed to coming to Sunday morning service and looking good and everybody sees us and we're, you know, Amen, I was in church today. Well, the Bible, doesn't the Bible say something about Hebrew? In Hebrew, it's about something about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. Doesn't it say that? Hebrews chapter 10, it does. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. There's a reason why we need to be in church. Tonight is a a special time. It's a family time. And we get deeper into the Word of God. I'm looking forward to it tonight. Can I tell you what I'm doing? I'm going to give you a little spoiler for tonight. Can I tell you? I think I did that a couple weeks ago when I was wanting to preach on alcohol a little bit and what the Bible says about it and, and I hooked you a little bit. Can I hook you again? Tonight I'm going to deal with music. Amen. You've heard so much preaching in your life about music and all this such. And I've heard a lot of opinions about music. Man, I've heard so much opinions of what this guy thinks and what that guy thinks and what this preacher says. I want to know what God says. And you know the Bible has a whole lot to say about music. Well, preacher, he doesn't say thou shalt not listen to this kind of music. Does it? We're going to see what God says tonight. And I'm going to encourage you to be here for it. I'm going to encourage you to be here. And we'll get deeper into the Word of God and learn what we're supposed to do and please the Lord with even our music. God has some things to say about it. He does. I encourage you to be here. Okay? Let's bow together, Lord, together. Lord, I need you and we need you. It's been a, it's been a message of revival this morning, Lord. There, somebody in here this morning is not saved, needs to get saved. And Lord, I, I'm pleading with them as a Holy Spirit, you drawing them in. Lord, we need, we need to come to you. Lord, we can't get saved on our own. We can't, uh, we can't do this thing by ourselves. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Lord, we need to come to the one, the Savior. Lord, you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus. You said that. 
Help us, please, to understand that. The one that needs to get saved today, may they come at invitation. I'm going to invite them to come and know how they can know for sure that they're a Christian and on their way to heaven. Lord, I pray that they come. Somebody here this morning, and maybe several of us, need to get clean. We got, to, we got to get rid of the filth that's in our life and get forgiven. And Lord, the Bible says so clearly, if you want to be forgiven, you can be. And I pray that we would get right with God. Lord, why is there some in here this morning that, that you're not real to? They don't, they don't understand. God's not real to me. I don't have a relationship and a walk that I, that I feel His presence. I feel the Lord in my life every single day. Lord, I believe it's so clear from Scripture that You're not real to us because we're not real with You. And I pray that You'd help those this morning that need to come and get right and get real. And I pray that we'd be found faithful, please. Help us in this invitation time. I wonder, I'm going to ask Mrs. Williams to